This morning I have something specific on my heart and, and I want you to just believe with me for it. Jump right into it. In Ephesians, go ahead and turn there please, the third chapter. And in Psalms, the book of Psalms. The 68th chapter, or the 68th psalm, the Lord's dealt with me about this, and this is something I've already spoken about a number of times, but we're going to focus on it. The Bible tells us that we're not ignorant of the enemy's devices, and part of the reason we're not is because we get in the Word, we listen to the Lord. And if you'll walk with closely with the Lord and listen to Him, He'll always have you ready. I said, He'll always have you ready for anything that comes up. And He'll always have you ahead of the devil. When it seems like the devil got ahead of you and sprang something on you that you wasn't ready for, it's because you hadn't been listening and you didn't obey. Every time. Obey every day, and you'll be ready always. Amen. Amen. If you'll just obey every day, every time something comes up and the Lord deals with you to do it, do it. Pray when He deals with you to pray. Read when He tells you to read. Give when He tells you to give. Obey and do what He tells you to do. And if you'll just do that as a way of life, you will always be ready when things come up. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians... The third chapter, Ephesians 3, and we're going to begin about verse 14. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He's talking about the father and the family. Now we've talked about family around here. And we're going to keep on talking about family. Because family is the will of God. Family is the plan of God. Family is the heart of God. Amen. A church is supposed to be a family. Not just an institution. Not just an organization. The church has business, but it's not supposed to just be a business. It's supposed to be a family. Amen. With a daddy and a mama and older kids, younger kids and babies. Amen. Healthy families are growing and thriving and reproducing. Right? And we're going to have babies around here, aren't we? What do you mean? People born into the kingdom. Hadn't been saved, but they got, we've already had several. We're going to have a whole lot more. But then that's not, that's not the only thing. The babies need to grow up. Amen. And the younger ones need to grow up. And spiritually, growth does not occur automatically just by reason and passage of time. Just because a person is born again and they've been saved for 20 years does not mean they have grown past the spiritual infancy stage. That's something folk may not have understood. I mean, just because that you're saved for 50 years doesn't mean you're automatically mature spiritually. You can be a baby after 50 years of being saved. 
Now that's a tragedy. That's a shame. Or it not be. But you have to be fed spiritually. And you have to exercise. Amen. That's one reason I was talking about, uh, you know, some uh, everybody in the church being involved in doing things and winning people to the Lord and, and being able to uh, comfort people and minister to people and help them. And it's my job to, to feed, the, you know, believe God for the food and, and, and feed people good and lead people to the right places. And my job to do it in such a way that you get encouraged and you want to. Amen. And everybody's growing. Uh, Listen to another translation of this particular verse. The living says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and I pray to the father of all the great family of God. I like that, don't you? The great family of God. Some of them already in heaven and some down here on the earth. It's a big family. Now, uh, in Psalm 68, if you're holding your place there, go ahead and turn. Everybody say, the Father and His family. Psalm 68 and verse 6. Psalm 68, 6. Well, let me back up a little bit. Boy, this is so good. Just just back up to verse 1. I have to watch it because I start doing that and I wind up in Genesis. Because it's all good. I said, it's all good. Psalm 68 verse 1 says, Let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered. Let them that hate Him flee before Him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish as the, at the presence of God. You know, it's one reason we take, a, we take a little time and praise the Lord and, and worship Him and magnify Him because He inhabits the praises of His people. And at His presence, the enemy is driven away. So many times, just, just you get in the presence of God and just get to praising God and His presence is manifest. You won't need prayer. You won't need counseling. You won't need anybody to lay hands on you. The presence of God will just drive that stuff off of you. Amen. And that's really one of the best ways to be healed and delivered that it is. And you don't have to wait to church for that. (laughs) You can do that at home. You can do that in your car. Just get to praising God and praising God and praising God. And His presence get manifest and wisdom come to you. Heaviness leave you. Weakness leave you. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. He said, let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Let them exceedingly rejoice. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him that rides upon the heavens by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him. He is a father of the fatherless. He's a judge of the widows, is God in the holy habitation. How many believe that He's a father of the fatherless? Don't don't say, I don't have a father. Even if you grew up and your daddy left home before you knew Him, or, or your daddy's already gone home to be with the Lord, your daddy's... Uh, passed away, you do have a father. I said you do have a father. And don't say you don't have a family. Even if it's your first time in this place this morning, we'll be your family. Amen. And not just us, but the whole body of Christ is really your family. Amen. All the folks that have already gone on to, to heaven, they're your family. 
How many know the Apostle Paul is your family? And Peter. Amen? How many know King David is family? You like that? It's the truth. He's family. We're all family. Glory to God. Abraham. Father Abraham. I guarantee you, if you went to heaven today, he'd grab you and bear hug you. Say, I'm glad to see you. The grandpa you never knew you realized you had. Amen. There's nothing more wonderful than family. And God has had that. That was God's vision. God's dream. What? You know, what does God want? I mean, he has everything. He can create planets. What does he want? What, what, what was his desire? Why did he make the earth? When he got it all made, what did he do? He made a son. Amen? Adam is called the son of God. And he made the woman from the man. And he'd come down in the cool of the day and fellowship with them. Family, the father and his kids, and his plan was for them to have kids and for him to have kids upon kids and family. That's always been his, that's always been his desire. That's always been his heart. That's amazing. And him who can create constellations. Him who has all these angels and he has all these other things. What does he want? He wants us. Why do you think Jesus would be willing to pay the awful price he paid and the father would be willing to send him? And give him. For what? For his family. I said for his family. It's not an accident that God's put it into the heart of a man to love a woman. And a woman to love a man. And for them to have children. And for them to love those children. It's, I mean it's a supernatural thing. People say well it's just nature. No it's God. What is nature? No it's God. Amen. And, and, and the love that you have. For your spouse, for your mother, for your father, for your brother, your sister, for your son and daughter, for your grandson, your granddaughter. That love helps you to to get a revelation of God's love for you and for me. But it doesn't even, what you have doesn't tell it all. His is even greater than what you have. Amen? God's plan is family. And his great love and desire is family. Well, as you might realize, the devil hates the family. In fact, he's jealous of it. It's something that he has gotten kicked out of and that he will never be able to have. And he's jealous. And he's envious. And he hates us because God loves us. He hates us because we, you and I, have a place above angels. God never did anything for anybody else like He's done for us. The redemptive plan that He planned and the price that He's paid and the things that He's done and given you and I a place to rule and reign with Him forever. He's never given any beings that kind of place. Why? Because we're family. I said we're family. Can you see in the beginning that the enemy immediately went to work to destroy the family? He started working to, to, to bring doubt, 
to bring pride, to bring all kind of junk into Adam and Eve's mind so that they would doubt what God told them about the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that they would distrust Him and think, well, no, you won't really die. He just told you that to keep you away from the tree. He's trying to separate uh, Adam and Eve from their God, from their Father. And it worked. It happened. And immediately after the fall, you remember with Cain and Abel, he immediately went to work on them, didn't he? To drive something between them and, and to get hatred. And, and it worked. So that one killed the other. And it hasn't stopped until this day. God's plan and will and love and the desire of his heart and the apple of his eye is family. His family. And the devil hates families and he's continuously working to try to drive wedges, to try to bring division, to try to bring separation, to destroy it. You can see this, can't you? You don't have to even be very perceptive. Just look around and see all the destroyed and separated families, all the destroyed and separated churches. See, the church is supposed to be a local family. And how many churches have been split and divided and separated. How many people that once were bosom buddies now don't even speak to each other? Right? Brothers and sisters and family, husbands and wives, list goes on and on and on. Separated. Don't even start, talk to each other. Well, friend, you and I are going to believe God and we're going to stand against this stuff for our individual families and for this church family. Amen? And we're not going to be split. We're not going to be divided. We're going to grow stronger. And we're going to have unity. We're going to have peace. Amen. Your family is going to get stronger. And this family is going to get stronger. And then we're going to work to help other families. The bigger family. Amen. Of God. We want to be peacemakers. We want to be healers. Amen. Restorers. Unifiers. It won't come by accident. It won't just come automatically. It'll come because we want it. And because we hunger for it. Because we pursue it. Can you say amen? amen? Keep reading down here in Psalm 68. In verse 5, he's a father of the fatherless. And verse 6, God sets the solitary in families. Hallelujah. Amen. He brings out those which are bound with chains. That's deliverance from any kind of bondage. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You might also say by their self. Hmm? In a solitary, empty, dry place. Does it cost you to be hard-headed, stubborn, and rebellious? It can, it can make you lonely. It can put you out in a dry, barren Lonely place. Everybody say, I'm not going to do that. The NIV says, God sets the lonely in families. And he leads forth the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious will live in a sun-scorched land. In a dry place. Now, the Lord said this, and the devil knows this. And that's, this is how he's worked from the beginning. The Lord said a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Right. right? It'll fall. And so the enemy is always working to bring division, separation. 
And it's, oh, it's, it's way too successful. I mean, he has been way too successful in dividing and conquering. But, you know, he can't get all the glory. He can't get all the credit because he can't do anything unless we'll cooperate. The devil can't just come in and bust up your house. He can't. He can't just come in and destroy and divide and separate a church. He has to have people to cooperate with him. He has to have people that will yield their minds to him and yield their voices and speak out his words and yield themselves and do his things. If nobody in the family would yield to the devil, if nobody in the church would yield to him, wouldn't think his thoughts, wouldn't speak his words, wouldn't act on his ideas, it'd be like he wasn't even there. Oh, he'd be there, but it'd be like he's behind a plate glass looking in, wanting to get in and say something, but can't. That's where I want to keep him. Don't you? Keep him. On the outside, wanting to get in, but nobody will yield to it. Now, the truth is, there's far too many people that are instantly ready to yield their mouth and just say everything that comes across their mind and yield their, their actions. And these kind of things bring division. But I want to go over some specific things this morning that if, if we heed them, will make us strong against this kind of thing and when the enemy starts to work we'll realize and go uh-uh, no that's the enemy I'm not yielding to that I'm not getting into that I'm not giving place to that and if we'll just shut it down before it gets started we will protect ourselves we'll protect our marriages we'll protect our families we'll protect our relationships we'll protect our church how many believe we can do this that God is with us to help us and we can do this by his grace we can, we can shut the doors to this division. Now, one of the big things that the enemy uses in, in dividing people, one of his main weapons is lying. Lies. He lies to people about other people. Have you ever found that to be the case? He lies to this group over here and say, well, they, they think this about you, and they said this about you, and they did this about you. And then he lies to these folk over here about these people. And you'll find people that are yielding to him, that's what they do. They run back and forth and whisper. Have you seen that? If you've done that, Repent. Have you ever had people come and asking you stuff and you know they're not asking you because they want to know. Because for you, they just want to know so they can tell somebody else. I don't know at the times I've been invited out to eat or some other thing and just been grilled. (laughs) Not to food, me. And and you can just tell they they just want to know so they can go back and tell somebody. Well, that's not a friend. That's not somebody caring about you. Whisperers. Isn't that what the scripture said in Proverbs? That a whisperer separates chief friends. Proverbs says that. That's how it works. Whisperers. Well, you know, they said don't tell. But I'm going to tell you. And you don't tell, okay? There's a whole lot of things. If, if you want to keep it secret, the way to do it 
is to tell God and nobody else. Because so many folk you know, they have somebody else they can tell that won't tell. And then they have three people they can tell that won't tell. And of course they have a couple of people each they can tell that won't tell. Besides that, there's a lot of stuff that folk are telling not to tell that you shouldn't even been told to begin with. <laughs> hmm? Don't be a traitor. Don't go tell all your husband's uh, faults and failures to other people. Don't go tell all your wife's faults and failures to other people under the guise of prayer. Well, I just want you to pray. Well, you're being unfaithful. I said, that's unfaithful. Same goes for your brother, your sister, your parents, your friend. What does the scripture say? Love covers the multitude of sins. Didn't it say that? Love does what? Broadcasts? Uh Uh-uh. Love doesn't tell it. That doesn't mean that you say wrong is okay. That doesn't mean that you say that, that wrong is right. You just don't tell it. If you care about people, you don't want to make them look bad. Right? So you don't tell. I mean, one of the greatest ways you can honor people is by not bringing up their mistakes. Amen. Why bring them up? You've had mistakes of your own. You don't want them brought up, do you? You've had failures of your own. You don't want them broadcast. Have you ever had somebody... That, that, that helped you out in a bad situation? They didn't. I'm not talking about lying for somebody now. Never, ever lie for somebody. Even your own mother or daddy or son or daughter. Never, ever, ever. You don't lie for anybody. Yourself or anybody. Did you get that? You do not lie for anybody. You don't lie, period. To do so is to yield to the devil. Is to compromise your own integrity. Your own character. And, and you might have heard your daddy say it or somebody else said, if your word's no good, you're no good. It's a fact. I said, it's a fact. And if you compromise your word, you can't have faith, you undermine your faith, you hurt your confidence with God in prayer, it's just a road you do not want to go down. How much lying is okay? Absolutely none. Become totally intolerant of lying. But, it, you know... Not telling everybody's faults and secrets and failures is not lying. It's just you're not telling it. Right? And if somebody wants to know about it, you can just say, well, I won't talk about that. There's no need talking about that. that their, that's their business. That's between them and God. You know, there was a, a minister who was in the public scrutiny some years back. And I mean, they were really taking him apart. And he had made some mistakes. No question about it. He had missed it. And boy, I mean, he was all over the news and everybody was really talking, you know, what a sorry rascal he was. And somebody called another minister who was very prominent and they wanted to know. He stuck a microphone in his face and said, you know, what do you think about this? And he said something that stuck with me I thought was excellent. He said, it's family business and it's none of yours. <laughs> yeah. I know that's the way it ought to be. If you got problems in your family, take care of them in your family. Amen. Who needs to know that Junior messed up? Who has to know all of that? Love covers the multitude of sins. 
Don't hang out your dirty laundry for all your girlfriends or your boyfriends or your people at work or acquaintances and tell all about how sorry your husband is and what he didn't do and your wife and what she didn't do and how she messed up. It's unfaithful. It's a betrayal of confidence. Do not do it. Everybody with me now? We're talking about how to keep the devil out of our relationships. Lies is one of his favorite tools. Now, uh, I'm going to give you, I don't know, three or four things here, as time permits, that I can see, and from some small experience, and of course from the Word, how the enemy has been able to get in repeatedly and destroy and divide uh, relationships and families and households. One of the biggest things and hooks that he has in people is, well, let me, let me back up and say it like this. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, the number one cause of a deterioration of a relationship is lack of communication. Well, I disagree with that. For one thing, where's the scripture? Did you hear me? Everything needs to be brought back to a scripture. Communication is vitally important. Don't you misunderstand me. And people do have a lot of problems because they don't talk. But that is not the major problem. In fact, you can be communicating, communicating very eloquently and precisely and destroy your relationship. You can say, well, we, we need to communicate and I just want you to know that I hate your guts. <laughs> and that's just how I feel. And I think you're a sorry rascal. <laughs> well, you're communicating, right? I mean, you're, you're telling exactly what you feel. No, communication, as important as it is, is not the number one problem. The number one problem is selfishness. Selfishness. That's the number one problem. Number one problem is not the devil. The devil can only do what people let him do. He can only do what people give place to. Didn't the scripture say, give the devil no place? Neither give place to the devil, the scripture said. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that you can keep from giving him place? Can't you? You can. You don't have to let him in. Tear up your house. The big issue, the big problem is selfishness. Now, coupled with selfishness, they, they really go hand in hand, is pride. Pride. And coupled with pride is deception, which we've already referred to. Obadiah, though don't turn there, but Obadiah, just one chapter in Obadiah, it's in the Old Testament. The third verse says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Did you hear that phrase? How do people get so blind and don't even realize that they're tearing up their own house? They're destroying their own marriage. They're running their kids away. They're running away their best friends. How do people get to the place where they're so dark and they don't even see that? Pride. Pride blinds you. And selfishness and pride are directly interconnected. Watch it when, when, when you get to thinking about what you don't have. And what people are not doing for you. And how that your needs are not being met. And then coupled with this, you get, you know, and the devil will come and he'll, he'll sit on your shoulder and he'll feed you this stuff. Well, you know, you really, you really deserve better in this relationship. 
They're, they're not taking care of you. Well, who said that their life uh, ministry was taking care of you? And what happens is I've sat behind the desk with husbands and wives ready to divorce each other. And, and, and she looked at him and said, you know, well, you're not taking care of me. You're not meeting my needs. You're, you're, not, uh, uh, you're not there for me. You're not there for me emotionally. You, you're not caring for me like you should. And he said, well, what about me? You're not taking care of me. You don't respect me. You're not supporting me. Neither one is giving anything. There's nothing to be received. And when people get to that place, that's when the separation begins. Isn't it? And the distance. See, separation, I mean, when you're close, there's not the distance. But the devil wants to separate. He wants to pull apart and, and drive huge walls in between until you are so far apart. Now, all of us have had relationships, and we all know something about some of these things. Have you ever felt far away from somebody? And then the devil will come and tell you more lies. He'll say, well, y'all are so far away, there's no hope. There's nothing here. You've got, you don't even have any feelings for them anymore. And I'm telling you, that's one of the biggest lies that this whole planet is believing right now, is that feelings are what makes you. The love of God is not based on feelings. Christian love is not based or determined by feelings. The scripture tells us in Romans that while we were yet sinners, God loved us. Hallelujah. We love Him. Now, not because we loved Him in the beginning. He loved us before we even knew Him, before we loved Him, while we were yet His enemies. Well, He wasn't loving us because He had wonderful feelings for us. When we're not even acknowledging Him, when we're sinning against Him, some people fighting the church. It wasn't because He had all these wonderful feelings for us. Can you love somebody that you don't have feelings for? That was weak. Let me ask that again. That's what Christianity is all about. I mean, God so loved the world that He gave Jesus. Are we to love the world too? You're not going to be able to love all the stuff they do, all their ways. Some of them are are very, very ugly in the way that they're living and acting and doing. You can't love that. Don't have to. But you can love them in spite of it. You can care about them and what happens to them. And you love people by faith, not by feelings. Just because the feelings change in your relationship. You know, would God we had enough sense to realize? Let's say a husband and wife. When they got married, they had so much feelings, they hardly could focus on anything else. Huh? As they they call it, love sick. Had a fuzzy gaze in their eyes, deer in the headlights look, and and, and you have to tell them three times about everything. Hey, hey, did you do that? Oh, oh, yeah. And just just feelings overflowing. Well, then over a period of time, now they say we got no feelings for each other. So that means we don't love each other anymore. Well, there was a time you had no feelings for each other, and then you had 
overwhelming feelings for each other and less feelings for each other and no feelings for each other, why couldn't you have overwhelming feelings again? We know it's changeable. We know it moves. We know it varies. The thing is, we must take responsibility for doing the things that causes the feelings. Instead of just acting like it's a mystical thing. Man, we just don't know. The feelings hit you and hey, you can't help it. That's the excuse people give for having affairs. We just fell in love. And you know, you just can't fight it. And if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. (laughs) And how can anything so strong be wrong? Well, that might make some good lyrics for some worldly songs, but it is not Christian, and it is not right, it is not God. Hmm? And how do you know that all these feelings that you got for this new love in your life ain't going to fade away in a few months or a couple of years? Well, it will. And that's why people, some people have been married for 20 times. When the new wears off, then they're looking for somebody else. Not realizing that when they get there, the problem will be there. Because <laughs> everywhere you go, there you are. <laughs> and that's why people can't get away from these problems. And they keep bringing them into the next relationship. And it never occurs to their pride-filled mind that, hey, it might be me. That thought has never crossed their mind. It's always got to be them other people. They're not meeting my needs and they're not taking care of me. Selfishness and pride. Thinking about what they're not doing for me. I want to give you a phrase and I want you to remember it. Please pass today, pass the end of this week. Love makes investments into relationships. Love invests into people. Love makes investments into relationships. There is no increase without investment. I'm not trying to use business terms. That's Bible fact. That's one of the granddaddy principles of all the kingdom of God. You may recognize it more as sowing and reaping. Seed time and harvest. Well, it doesn't just work with money. It works with relationships. People have this starry-eyed, 60s love child mentality that all this stuff just happens and is cosmically unexplainable. No. Why did you come to have such great feelings for that individual that you married? You made investments. Hours upon hours upon hours, talking to them, trying to find out about them. Isn't that right? What happened from the time you didn't even know them and didn't even care to the time that you think they're the most wonderful thing you've ever seen? Well, what happens when people no longer have feelings? They stopped making investments. Right? And yet you can't go on doing that for year after year. Feelings will subside. They stopped making investments. And as they did, the feelings waned and grew weaker and grew weaker 
and weaker. The wise man, the wise woman will begin to make investments again. And you don't have to do it by faith. By feeling, rather. You can do it by faith. What do you mean? If you care about somebody, you want them to do good. You want to help them in any way that you can. So you give them of your heart. You give them of your time. You give them of your resources, of your abilities. You make investments. One of the biggest ways you make investments into people and relationships is time. And in our society, people think they are too busy. I mean, half the world thinks they're even too busy to raise their own kids. I want to challenge you on something. Quit using these two words, at least for a while. I'm not telling you, you know, strike them from your vocabulary forever. But just practice going through this week. Let's just say just this week. And not use these two words. Busy or tired. I'm talking about changing your mentality, getting your mind renewed. Well, I mean, we we believe in the power of our words, don't we? What if you go around confessing all the time, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, busy. Oh, I'm so busy. Can you come? Well, I'm so busy. Can you do this? Well, I'm busy. I'm sorry. I would, but I'm busy. And then when you get through being busy, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I would, but I'm tired. I'm sorry, but we're tired. Tired. Of course, that's what the scripture said. Let the weak say, I'm tired. <laughs> it's amazing how many, so, so many so-called word people, so many so-called faith people, they just talk busy and tired all the time. Busy, busy. You talk to your preachers. What's going on? Oh, we're so busy. We're just busy, busy, busy. <laughs> the next time you're talking to them, we're so tired. Why? Because we're so busy. <laughs> Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Huh? Not I'll work you harder. What did he say? I will give you rest. They that wait upon the Lord. Wake up tired? No, no. They will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and be wore out. Huh? They, they'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let the weak say, I am strong. This will change your life if you just implement these, these changes. And the problem is people are so busy they don't have biz- they don't have time they think for their wife they don't have time for their husband they don't have time for their kids they don't have time for their grandparents they don't have time for their parents they don't have time And one of the lies that the enemy feeds people is that this person is not very valuable to you And and there there he gets people to the place where they believe you'd be better off without them or your family would be better off without you. I've seen people that were facing serious sickness and, and disease and problems just not even resist the, the disease, just give up, want to die. Why? Because they think, well, my, they told me my family would be better off without me. I'm just a burden. 
That is a lie. I said, that is a lie. It's a lie. And don't be like so many fools. I didn't call you a fool, but I said like so many fools. Don't be like so many fools in the earth that have to lose people before they realize how precious they are. You ever seen it? I've seen it too many times at funerals. One reason people, they they just get spastic. They just get beside themselves. And it's not just that they're mourning the loss of this person. They realize, this person had a big part of my life. They have a big part of my heart. I didn't realize how much I depended on them, how much I needed them. And now they're gone. And I didn't even realize, I didn't even tell them. Let's not be a fool. Let's realize what God's given us right now. The people in your life are not there by accident. God has joined you to the people in your life. The people who are your parents and your brothers and sisters. The people who's your, that is your spouse. The, the, the children that are your children. These are not accidents. These didn't just happen just in the genetic natural development of the earth. God chose these people. For you, He put them in your life. The Scripture says, God has set everybody in this body as it has pleased Him. Amen. 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 And every one of us, the Scripture says, is joined together. And through the joints, there's coming a supply from the head and through the whole body for us to be edified. And there's some things, there are a lot of things you get directly from God, but there's a whole lot of things you're not going to get directly from God. Uh, He's ordained that they come to you from Him through the people in your life. That He's joined to you and you to them. And He's ordained that a lot of things come through you to them. Comfort, peace, grace, strength. Do you know that so many times when you pray God strengthen so and so, the way He does it is by sending somebody to them? That's how He does it. He strengthens them through a brother or sister, comforts them through somebody whom He puts words in their heart and mouth. Don't you believe that these people in your life are not valuable? Don't you let the devil tell you you're not valuable to the family? Every person in your family is valuable and precious. And God ordained and God joined. Everybody that God's going to join in this family. I don't, we are not going to go on a campaign to try to get people to come to this church, particularly from other churches. So we want everybody we can get to come. No, we don't. I only want the people that are supposed to be here. Amen. Amen. That's all I want. But everybody that's supposed to be here, and it's amazing that God's bringing people from out of the state. This church going to grow one way or the other. If he has to fly them in and import them in. Amen. I don't know how many families we've already had moving. We had people keep, you know, virtually every week somebody would call and say, we're coming. We say, well, now make sure it's God. We already have. We're coming. Well, come on. Praise God. We're going to be a strong family. And every member in this family is important. Uh, you know, please, as the father of this, this local family, I'm saying to you, don't you look at anybody as being insignificant in this place. I don't care what they look like or what they've acted like. If they come in here and even halfway act like they want to serve God, then you meet them with open arms. Amen. Amen. You be a big brother to them. You be a big sister to them. You be a mama to them. Hey, you be a daddy to them. You understand what I'm talking about? Family. Nobody that goes to this church should be able to say, I don't have any family. 
Nobody. But the devil will not just sit idly by while you and I grow in love and unity and the family grows stronger and stronger. It irks him. It chafes him. He can't, I mean, for lack of a better phrase, he can't stand it. And he will try to get in and divide us up. But he can't do it without our cooperation. And we're not cooperating. I said, we're not cooperating. We're smarter than that. We know what's going on. And we know what's precious. We know what's important. Now, real quickly, some other things here that, that, are, that are under these same uh, main points about selfishness and pride. Selfishness and pride is demanding. What, go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Have you got just a couple more minutes here? If you have to leave for some other reason, you have to go to work or, or something like that, I understand. I won't be offended. Just, just get up and leave and... We bless you. But if not, don't just be in a rush to go eat. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13 describes the love of God, the love that God is. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, he said, Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself, is not puffed up. Well, see, that's pride there, isn't it? Now, here's this next one. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own. One translation says, does not demand what is mine. Selfishness is demanding. Selfishness is pushy. And selfishness is unyielding. And these are the kind of things that the enemy uses to separate and divide. Let me go over this again. Did you see this, this scripture now? Love does not, uh, what is it, Amplified talks about this, doesn't insist on its own ways. Hmm? Love doesn't demand what is mine. You see, uh, relationships begin to deteriorate when somebody, one or both parties, begin to say, Now, I'm having it this way. I'm going to have it this way. It's going to be my way. That's how you can absolutely des- destroy a relationship. When you become unyielding, I'm not giving in. Mm-mm. And one side takes their side, I'm not giving in. And the other one says, well, I ain't giving in. Over what? You know, people take stances like this over toothpaste tubes. And stupid stuff. I'm not giving in. Listen, friend, when if you take a stance that you're not giving in, You better have heard from God. You better have a solid word from God. Amen. Something He told you from the Word. Amen. Somebody tells me, Keith, don't pray. You can't pray anymore. You can't read your Bible anymore. Well, I'm taking a stance on that. Did you hear me? I'm not yielding. 
But how many understand most stuff does not fall in that category? <laughs> most things are boiled down to people's preferences. And what I want and how I think it ought to be. Listen to me, men. I believe and I teach that the man should be the head of the house. I do. But I also teach just as strongly that it is unscriptural and it is wrong for a man to try to make his wife submit. It's wrong. Man says, what if she won't submit? Then she doesn't. Period. Don't listen to me, men. Don't you quote these scriptures to your wife and say, "Now the Bible said you're supposed to submit to me, and now you better submit." Don't ever say that, because the Lord was not talking to you when He said that. He wasn't even talking to you. Some people like it. Some people don't know what to think. What did he say? I mean, I don't have time to, to, to take a lot of time with this, but in Ephesians, when he said, husbands, who's he talking to? Then wives, he's not talking to you. Right? Don't you be talking to your husband about when the Bible said that you're supposed to love me like Jesus loved the church. He wasn't even talking to you. Just be quiet. Stay out of it. Besides that, that's selfish, isn't it? Isn't it selfish? You telling you're supposed to do this for me. Don't talk like that. Don't think like that. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. Don't be a demander. Be an investor. Be a sower. The people who sow are the people who reap. Amen. The people who invest are the people who get a return. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit yourself to, the, to your own husbands. Who's he talking to? I mean, how much plainer can you say it? Wives, comma, husbands, I'm not talking to you. Wives, as as the head of the local church, it is not my job to make anybody submit to me. It's my job to lead. Amen? And set the example. And call people, come on, follow, let's go. What if they don't want to? Then they won't. Hmm? As the head of the house, it's your job. Lead, set the example, call, say, come on. What if they won't do it? What if they won't won't submit to me? What if they won't follow me? Then they don't. She doesn't. Faith puts no pressure on people. And you'll find people get into these modes where they've taken these stances, and I'm not going to give in, and I'm not going to give in, and I'm going to have my way. No, I'm going to have it my way. And pressure. Have you ever seen folk that they just won't let something go? Hmm? They just keep on. Just keep on. Just pushing. Just pushing. Friend, that is not God. That is not faith. That is not love. That is selfishness. And that is pride. When you just keep pushing on something. Come on now. I mean, this is where it's going to be. And you're going to do it, right? You got to do it, right? You got to. No, they don't have to do it. God has given us a free will. People don't have to do what you want. They don't have to do what God wants. Most of what you want. 
And listen to me, friend. You don't want... It's not the main thing that you want them to do what you want them to do. That's not the main thing. You want them to want to do it. To want to love you. To want to respect you. To want to submit to you. To want to support you. Right? Not just to do it. To want to. Make investments. Are you with me now? What's the big problems? Where does the devil get in? Selfishness, pride, deception, right? And when you start thinking, me, me, I don't have, they don't do this for me, they don't acknowledge it. I had, I had a grandma, bless her heart, not my grandmother, but a grandma, that cornered me one time and she was so, she cried part of the time and was mad part of the time about her kids wouldn't come see her and her grandkids wouldn't come see her. And, I mean, the further she went, I didn't wonder why they didn't come. Because <laughs> she told me she did. I mean, they wouldn't have been there ten minutes until she lights into them about, why ain't you been to see me? And it's been so long. And I've been, I've been I guess I could just lay up here and die. Nobody would know. Nobody would even care. And then my, my check got cut back. And, and my rheumatiz is worse. And. And this and and that and, and oh, oh Mr. So and so the neighbor ain't been treating me right and well you know what they're thinking while while this person is talking they're thinking well let's see sorry grandma but I gotta go and they ain't gonna want to be back anytime soon I know some people don't like that but friend just because you are a relative of somebody does not mean you have the right to just be selfish and just always want to talk about you and unload on somebody. Actually, I had a fellow tell me one time, bless his heart, a preacher, no less. He said he thought God gave husbands and wives each other to unload on. So they'd have somebody to unload. Never was a bigger lie. No. You have God to cast your cares on. Amen. And you have people to love and to invest into and to help and to ask nothing. Faith makes investments and asks for nothing. I have a philosophy that I endeavor to operate by and it keeps me happy. Anybody like to be happy? Yes. Keeps me happy. So, I mean, what is it? It's this. Expect nothing from people I'm talking about. From people. I expect a lot from God. But from people, as far as what they ought to do for me, expect nothing. Be thankful for everything. I'm going to say that real slow. I don't care how many people have seen me or know me. I don't care what I've done or how big the crowd was that I spoke to. If I come into a place, I don't expect a special seat. I don't expect a red carpet to be rolled out. I don't expect the music to stop when I walk in the door. Why? If something good happened, it was God. He did it. Right? I was privileged to be used. When it comes to people doing stuff for you, including your husband, including your wife, including your friends, do what? Expect nothing and what? Be thankful for everything that somebody does for you. The moment you get into this, well, they ought to do this for me. And they ought to do that. And they should have done this. And they should have done that. You're being fleshy. You're being carnal. And you're listening to the devil. That's how he gets in. Separates people. Divides people. What should you have done for somebody? Right? 
I know a lady came to Phyllis one day. And she was all been out of shape. What was it? Because her husband didn't give her some flowers. Is that right? On her birthday. Oh, she was upset. He didn't give me any flowers on my birthday. And I, she expected Phyllis to just sigh in with her and say, Yeah, the sorry rascal. He ought to appreciate you more than that. She said, Well, when's the last time you gave him flowers? She looked at her like she'd slapped her with a wet dish rag. She said, Well, it's true. Why is it just that the men are supposed to do the giving? Hmm? No, it's, it's supposed to work every direction. It's not just supposed to be just the parents giving to the children. The children can give to the parents. Amen? And not just one side or the other. If you love somebody, it's not just based on feelings. You want to do something for them. Want to make them happy. Want to brighten their day. Amen? Praise God. I believe this is getting into you this morning. I'm trying to close. Go with me to Matthew. This will be my, uh, no, Mark. Mark 10. I think this will be my closing scripture. Just read this and then we're going to, we're going to do something. We're going to pray, release faith. Don't get stuck and say, I'm not giving in. When it's not even something that God has spoken to you about, it's not even a solid word. Don't push and put pressure on people. Don't be demanding. That's selfish. Something that I said before, but let me say it again. This is something that will tear up a relationship. This is something that will destroy trust that took years to develop. Lying. Dishonesty. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, tell uh, a family member, tell your spouse a lie. People do it. They do it all the time. I mean, we sit up in church and act like it doesn't happen, but the people do it all the time. Uh, husbands and wives lie to each other about what was spent on this, what they got, and why the, uh, people will buy stuff and put it in the closet and hide it. Act like they got it later. How much did you pay for that? And they'll cut it in half. Lying. Someone says, well, they, they couldn't handle the truth. What do you mean they can't handle the truth? You can't handle being a Christian, I guess. God never gives us an exception to the truth. Did you hear me? I'm telling you, people who've come to trust you and believe in you, and you tell them one lie, it'll shake everything. All the trust that they have come to put in you over the years. I don't care how bad it makes you look. I don't care if you think that they may walk out on you. You tell the truth. And trust God for grace. Amen. There is no options for telling the truth. Are you with me now? There, there's no, no other option. If you want, if you want halfway interested in being a Christian. In Mark. The 10th chapter. I know this is a little different this morning. And some things don't make you shout. When you hear it. But if you'll do it. You'll shout later. I said, you'll shout later. You'll shout when other people's families are dissolved and you still got yours. Hmm? You'll shout big time when other people are going, I don't know, how do you keep everybody together? And you say, you give God the glory and thank Him that He was able to grace you that you didn't let the devil in. In Mark, excuse me, yeah, Mark is right. The 10th chapter. You there? 
I'm getting there. Mark 10, you know it, but let's look at it again. In verse 9. Mark 10, 9. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The NAS says what God has joined together, let no man separate. Won't you stand on your feet? How many would acknowledge that God has joined you to people and joined them to you? How many realize that your parents are not your parents by accident? God ordained that. Your brothers and sisters are not your brothers and sisters by accident. The people that you've hooked up with that have become your friends in life. They're God joined, God ordained connections. And you know, I, uh, I have reason to think that these connections go on past this life. Did you hear? That's interesting, isn't it? So we better get it worked out. We we ought to be working together for a long, 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 long time. Amen. Amen. Said out loud, the devil's a liar. liar. God's word is true. true. I do honor honor. all my family family. and my friends friends. and the family of God. God. And I acknowledge acknowledge. these are God-joined God-ordained relationships, God connections. I will treasure them. I will value them. I will nourish them. I will make investments. Lord, I ask you, help me, give me the wisdom, the grace, the ability to make investments into people and to relationships and I will stand guard and I'll protect these precious connections these precious relationships and I say get glory to yourself in us in these families in your family we are yours hallelujah Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.